Welcome, Jesus Smart Friends. This is episode 76, and I'm excited to bring a recorded conversation to you. I'm friends with Brent McLaughlin in a creative writer's group, and he joins me on this podcast with his dad, Pastor Bruce McLaughlin, a United Methodist pastor and minister. And some time ago, the Holy Spirit impressed upon me the importance again, underscored it again (laughs) in my journey with the Lord about the importance of our words, the vital importance of our tongue, and this time specifically from James chapter 3 and verse 4, which speaks of our tongue as a rudder, a rudder in a ship. And the New American Translation says that wherever the inclination of the helmsman desires, that rudder, even with contrary winds, controls the direction of that ship across the water. And I felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me to stay in the rudder zone. Rudder, R-U-D-D-E-R, that steering mechanism on the back of a sailboat or really any ship, any boat. Stay in the rudder zone. Don't ignore the importance of your tongue and don't misuse your tongue. No matter what the pressures are, no matter what the winds are, no matter what is happening circumstantially, don't budge, don't flinch, stay calm, and stay consistent and accurate with scripture-based speech, scripture-shaped speech. Maybe maybe that's a good way to put it. Also, prayer-born declarations, prayer-born statements, even commanded statements of faith, like speaking to a mountain or speaking to the fig tree to wither and die, from the roots up. I mean, what needs to wither and die like overnight in your life? Jesus taught us about faith in, in, in Mark 11. We'll talk about that in this episode. But sometimes we have to speak to bodies to be healed. We have to speak to the enemy to be uh, vacated and removed from a situation, demonic powers. Let's be real. And just the importance of our everyday speech, the integrity of our everyday speech, because we need to believe what we say. For example, if, if we're saying, I'm going to be there at this time, or yes, I'll do this, we need, unless there's some extenuating circumstances, we need to do what we say, lest we train our inner man to not believe the things we say. So then when it's time to pray to address a mountain or to address a serious need in prayer, to make a statement of faith, we actually don't believe what we say will happen. Like Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, I think verse 23, If we say it and we believe that what we say will happen, then it will happen. And then beyond that, he talks about prayer there. But we had a great discussion. Pastor Bruce has been drawn into the conversation because he um, is a sailor and he has uh, insights into rudders and sailing, how you can even tack into wind, contrary winds, it doesn't matter. The tongue controls it all. It's a good conversation. Stay with it. It builds like a crescendo. It really starts taking off about a third of the way through, I think. But but just stay with the whole conversation. One of the great things about podcasting is that you can hit pause, come back, go on that walk again, go on chores again, your next shopping trip, however you do podcasting, and you can pick it right up on your favorite listening app right where you left off. So it's a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. It's a vital, important kingdom dynamic, our tongue, faith speech, faith language. Let's get right to it. Oh, 
Okay, welcome, listener. I'm excited about this topic tonight because I know from my own study, my own experience, I've been on the dark side of this, (laughs) as well as at times on the light side of things, concerning our words, the power of our words, how they can negatively impact our lives, and conversely, how they can benefit, how we can actually move into our best selves, the highest design that God has for us, but we have to cooperate with our speech. And I have two great guests tonight, a great colleague and a peer in a creative group that I'm a part of, Brent McLaughlin. Welcome, Brent. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thanks, Brian, for having me on. I appreciate you uh, inviting us and even thinking of us at all well absolutely man you guys are um i know that brent is um tremendous things we call brent the 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 prophet the insightful one in our group and so i know that apples they don't fall far from the tree brent's dad is with us he's been in uh quite a few churches um in both new york state and in ohio Mm -hmm. um serving in that way and uh, he's been my dad the whole time. Uh, he's been a tremendous impact on my life. And definitely um, in these areas, I know even when I was younger, you know, we learned to sail some. Uh, he showed us that. Um, but in many ways, I even remember being very young um, and him talking to me um, about what I say. And um, so I, I appreciate you bringing us on tonight. And uh, I hope that your listeners are blessed by this. Yeah. And so you grew up um, sailing as a family, right? I wouldn't say it was like a a full-time thing, but um, as we got older, um, our family has kind of like a nice cottage on on the lake, um, up on Lake Ontario. And so we did a lot of boating and went... My dad actually, maybe you could give the quick story on the refinish work, Dad, but your boat was 40 years old, roughly, and uh, all wooden, uh, 14-foot boat that you refinished. you want to give a quick overview of that? Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah I can do that. It's a, it's a Blue Jay boat. It is about 14 feet long. It's a scale down of a Lightning. Lightning is a, is a racing boat. Too, but they made the Blue Jays more for young people. Um, Dad actually bought it in 1968. Uh, It was made in England, and uh, it has a mainsail that's about 20 feet high and then an orange jib out the front of it. Uh, Yeah, and um, it's an all-wooden haul boat, mahogany wood. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it... Um, has no motor on it. It does have two paddles. That's how you, if you run out of wind, that's how you get around. And um, it really reacts to the wind. Uh, that's one of the things I like about it, <laughs> even though it scares some people to ride in it. Okay. Is, is that because of its size or be, or just the style of boat that it is? Well, when the wind hits it, it can go over really easy. Um, many times, if you get a good brisk wind, you want you want the boat tipping up on the edge as far as you can have it because the, the less boat in the water, the faster it goes. But then the, the other problem is the water starts coming over the edge. Okay. So usually uh, I have a, a rider there on the downside of it. <laughs> okay. 
So yeah, yeah it, it sounds like you have to be very like sensitive and acutely aware <laughs> with your oh, yeah. with, with your skills in a in a boat of this nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really have to pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> and I know you have some great insights on this concept of the rudder of the rudder in a sailboat. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. Brent, would you read James three two two through four? Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses horses, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Yeah, great. Is that the um, ESV you're reading from? Yes, it is. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Verses, uh, you know, really what struck me, verses three and four are really talking about directional issues, whether it's like the bridle in the horse's mouth, even though that horse is very strong, the horse will obey us and we direct you know, their entire body with that small bridle in the mouth. It's its quite a metaphor, but it's directional. And then verse four, of course, the ships, they're so great, are driven by strong winds, still directed by that very small rudder. Um, New American Standard says, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So this rudder has a, sort of an out of scale or an out of proportion effect, doesn't it, Pastor Bruce, on its small but even even though there's these strong winds and even currents and uh, that you're you know dealing with, you can sail successfully with this small, with a, a skillful use of this small rudder. Yes, yeah, that's right. In fact, with this blue jay, it only has 22 inches in into the water, um, but it but it really reacts you know, to the slightest little turn, <laughs> you know, you can turn uh, in one way or another. And uh, a lot of times what you're, when you're sitting on the side of the boat, you're looking up at the sail and you're, you want to, if you want to be going the best you can, you're going a 45 degree into the wind. And uh, if you get a little too high into the wind, the, the front of the sail will begin to luff a little bit and and cave in a little bit and then you only have to pull that rudder back a little bit and then it catches that full wind you know once again okay so So you can sail with the wind at your back so to speak right and obviously you could probably move across the water with the most speed in that way but you can also you can also tack against the wind you were saying right you can tack against the wind or into the wind into the wind they say yeah yeah actually heading a 45 degree angle into the wind and you wouldn't think that would be possible um, if you didn't have a centerboard down in the very center of a boat a board the board drops down about 3 feet and if you didn't have that the wind would just blow you sideways but that allows you to to be able to cut into the wind, and then the rudder in the back actually does the steering uh, into the wind. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, Pastor Bruce, um, you've had uh, many years of experience in pastoral ministry. You've dealt with people in counseling situations. You've seen crises. You've seen the good and the bad of people's lives. Um, what are these verses saying to you? You know, 
from the perspective of your pastoral experience, even from James three about the the importance, the vital like sensitivity and the skillful use of our of our tongue. Right. Yeah. When I talking with people, or even sometimes I have to say it to myself, but <laughs> uh, I have to tell them to be very careful what you say <clears throat> with your tongue to out loud to yourself or to other people. Um, you know, I do often tell them that, you know, God created the earth in six days by speaking it into being, and he gives us a, the ability to speak things forward mm. in our lives and then also, you know, to others and to affect them also. And um, and and when we say a negative thing to somebody else, it's it's like another analogy. It's like shooting an arrow. While you can't grab it back. <clears throat> it's gone. And uh, we have to be very careful in choosing our words. And fortunately, we can say we're sorry and please forgive me. And people often do. But um, but it's much less painful to be very uh, careful with our words. Very, very prudent and circumspect and, and like slow to speak. You know, the Bible talks about being quick to hear, mm-hmm. but slow to speak. I think, in fact, James says that earlier in his letter. Being slow to speak seems like it can help us, right? <laughs> Instead of being like a hot reactor and, you know, highly reactive. I'm uh, Just to wait, wait a minute, just calm down and think for a second, right, before you open that mouth, right? Oh, yeah. And and a lot of times, and, and in fact, when Brent was getting married, we, I talked to him about this some out of a, a book I use for premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tendency is when somebody else is talking, we're thinking on what to say back, and we often cut them off before they're finished. <laughs> yeah. But I try to tell people God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we really need to listen twice as much as we talk. Uh, and be able to not try to think on what we're going to say. This is very difficult, you know, even for me, but try not to think on what we're going to say, but listen to what the other person is saying, and then try to reflect back, paraphrase back what they're saying, you know, or like saying, if I understand what you're saying, you're saying this. Yes. Then Then you're listening to the person and understanding them, listening with both ears, you know, rather than just one. <laughs> yeah, I think even Stephen Covey, who was really a Mormon, but he had tremendous insights in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talked about seek to understand first, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, people talk a lot about IQ, you know, your intelligent quotient, and is that an indicator of success? But they're actually finding out from research that EQ is actually a better predictor of success in life, professionally and otherwise. And what what EQ includes are listening skills, you know, empathy, understanding, you know, not just like brute knowledge about data, but like an IQ skill, but EQ is is more relational skills, people skills and listening. And boy, does Mm -hmm. that play out in marriage because there's nowhere to go, right? (laughs) I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean, there's like... There's nothing like a sanctifying agent like marriage or parenting or, you know, close friendship. The Lord can get us in situations to help us to grow, even at work or in business. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, um, so Brent, what do you think about this verse in Proverbs? It says, death and life, death and life are in the power 
of the tongue. In the Hebrew, the word power there actually can be translated as hand, in the hand of the tongue. That verse should really shock us. I mean, it should really make us think about what what words are coming out of our mouth. I mean, without a doubt. Um, I've thought about that verse and and many others, like this one in James. I know we're going to touch on the one in Matthew 8 many times. That um, not only in written form, but also in verbal form, and then also in internal mental speak, Mm. um, what it is that you're putting faith on. Mm-hmm. And, and and not just the good things, it's the bad. I mean, if you look at the whole world, I mean, if if the Lord really did put life and death in the tongue, he very, I, I don't know if we really understand as human beings how, how much power and almost, this might be kind of a bold thing to say, but how much risk he placed <laughs> upon mankind. Um, but those who learn it, and those who execute on on these things benefit from yes, it uh, very well abundantly. Said. You know, the, the, those who learn it and those who execute on it. You know, I know Paul said, like, and in one of his letters, that you have not learned Christ in this way. Really, one of the deeper ways of learning Christ, I would I would suggest, and being an apprentice of Jesus and of His kingdom would be this issue of words and speech, and using our speech and our words in a high leverage way, in a successful way, in alignment with heaven. I'm, I'm just so challenged by that. Pastor Bruce, do you feel that, I, I don't know, sometimes, you know, a pastor, obviously, others, writers, communicators, influencers, they mm-hmm. have uh, sort of a heightened sense of communication skills. Are they more at risk in this area, or <laughs> is there more of a, a uh, challenge? Um, could we even say that the enemy would come against people that have a sort of an oral gift or a written gift or, you know, communicator that to use their influence in a, in a negative way to hurt themselves and hurt, hurt others. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think they definitely could do that. I really have to be cautious of that. And I think another place in James, it says somewhere about the teacher has to be really cognizant of that. The fact that they, are influencing others and need to, you know, really be careful of their own spiritual life like that. I I think it, I think it makes a difference on how much we're putting God's word into our mind and heart, um, letting it settle down into our heart and affecting our life so that what we say comes out in the way that it is, you know, pleasing to God and to others. Well, I mean, not always trying to please others, but but that it is led of God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And mm. that it's really, you know, harmonizing with his heart, his plans for mm. us and for what we are influencing. Um, so you were talking about tacking into the wind. Uh, yeah. Um, so the wind's coming at you, you're out on the water, so you're going into the wind, but there is this skill and this technique to tack into it. You were saying 45 degree angles. Um, if we're in a challenging season, if the winds are blowing, do we? what would you say about being in a uh, maybe a heightened sensitivity about our thoughts and our words and our prayers and mm-hmm. e- even our everyday speech? Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because... That's one of the main points that I have used. I've taught a number of aquatic camps when I was in western New York, and I, I teach them how to sail and talk about sailing and heading into the wind. 
And when the wind is coming at you, a gust of wind comes and uh, at you, you know, the tendency is to to freeze up. But if you do that, you're just going to tip over. Uh, what you do when a gust of wind hits you, you actually, what you call, go higher into the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, you can aim, you can actually make more progress when you have more uh, strong in a stronger wind coming at you. Um, the other thing is you have to, in your left hand, usually you have the what they call the main sheet, which is the line that holds the main sail. Um, and you do have to let that out sometimes so you don't tip over as well. But in coordinating the two of those, you can actually make progress when there's a gust of wind. And the way I look at it is that in our, you know, in our spiritual lives, when we have problems or gusts of wind coming at us, mm-hmm. we can actually make more progress in those times than we can when the air is calm. <laughs> when, you know, when just a calm, comfortable sure. day. Yeah. You know, when, uh, you know, I look at the New Testament people. And they all the problems they had, and you know thousands of them facing being eaten by lions and like that, and yet they progressed the New Testament through to us. You yes. know, um, it, it it's a problem if we get too comfortable, if we don't have enough wind blowing at us to cause us to, you know, to make progress into into the wind, you know, yeah. spiritually. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you said a phrase there that caught me going, did, did you say higher into the wind? Higher into the wind, yeah. What, what yeah. does that, what specifically does that mean in sailing to go higher into the wind? Well, if you're, you're going as high as you normally can go is about 45 degrees. So um, if, you know, the uh, wind blows, you can actually maybe turn up to to 50 degrees or so uh, into the wind. Um, and and you, you have to react to it somehow. <laughs> uh, you know, if uh, the other thing is if, if you're racing and you're aiming toward a, uh, a buoy and you don't want to go higher into the wind, you could just let that main sheet out a little bit and you'd be going faster, but you're still on the same track. So whether you want to stay on the same track or you want to go, you know, up higher to make more progress. This is like a working knowledge, obviously, a working knowledge of sailing and Mm -hmm. and training and, and sensitivity and being acutely aware of your the situation you're in, situational awareness. Are, I, I, I mean, Brent, yeah. Brent, do you feel that there can be like, maybe we're going through a season where it's windy, there's adversarial winds that are really coming on us, but is it an opportunity if we cooperate with the Lord to be trained and to get high up into that wind and to, is the Lord, you know, giving us skills of thought and speech and how to, how to affirm what he's saying and how to pray in alignment with the Holy Spirit? What do you think? Yeah, Brian, I, I really resonate with what you're saying. Um, I can think of some very specific times when I've been alone with the Lord in a very trying situation and forcing myself out loud. I'm often in my car or at home by myself for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and verbalizing exactly in faith what it is that, um, 
that I'm asking for, for the, from the Lord. Maybe another thing, this is kind of like the reverse effect, but it does have to do with words, is worshiping the Lord. So uh, getting your mind in the presence of the Lord, using your your creative instinct to um, worship uh the God, the God of the universe, Jesus mm. Christ, yeah. with our words and positioning ourselves to kind of like uh, in faith, almost like power through through that moment. Um, it's kind of a coupling of elements of prayer and worship. But yeah, I definitely resonate with with that. And I, I can think of very specific times where I've I've um, I, I've had to own up to the challenge, <laughs> you know, and, and that doesn't mean that uh, I, I'm not perfect by any means, but definitely seeing that, um, I, I, I just can't let the enemy, you know, devour. Yeah, absolutely. I really like what you're saying there. And it makes me think of like, you know, people will talk about getting into a peak state, you know, like an athlete or, um, you know, I don't know, a chess player or, you know, somebody that's performing in some way, getting into a peak state and, um, perhaps in a way for us getting in a peak state as a Christ follower is really seeking to get into the spirit, if you will, being led by the spirit and sort of rising above our soul level. Can I say that? You know, like living from our from a soulical plane and really going sort of deeper and getting li- living from a spirit plane and allowing that to reshape our soul and affect our body of course and uh spill out into our personal affairs and the challenge that we're facing a mountain you know um I think of Peter in the book of Acts somebody had died I think her name was Dorcas she had died prematurely and he actually did what he saw Jesus do in the Gospels with, I think it was Jairus' daughter. He did the same exact thing because he was right in the room when Jesus did it. And, you know, he cleared the environment. He knelt down to pray. And then he stood up and spoke over her body. And Dorcas was raised from the dead, just like Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. Um, but I would call that a peak state, right? It's, it sounds like a peak state, you know? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> not an everyday. Not <laughs> yeah, not an everyday. And he, you know, he he was, he 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 transformed his environment. He, he cleared everybody out of the room. You got to get rid of all that naysaying and negativity, mm-hmm. right? And then you kind of pray through, and then you rise from that place and you address and you speak. There's one noted Christian leader today that, and I would really love both of your comments on this. He says, nothing in the kingdom happens without declaration. Is that, mm. is that true? That nothing can happen in the kingdom without declaration? Mm. What do you think about that? I mean, uh, he, he, he goes on to say, just to give you a sense of what he's saying, he goes on to say that you can't even be born again without saying something. You have to believe, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10, you have to believe in your heart, yeah, confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, right? And you are saved. So you know, like the initiation of our experience into Christ following is really like predicated upon heart belief and, and proper confession. Mm-hmm. But he goes on to say then that really nothing happens as a rule. I would add maybe as a rule, nothing happens without. Is that what do you guys think about that? Does that sound like too much? Sure. I'll, I'll jump in on that. Um, there, 
I, I, I address a lot of my thoughts theologically. I'm just a thinker by nature. And I, I continually come back to the power of prayer. So like, even when you look at some of the big theological, uh, um, differences between the Calvinists and Armenians, and you start processing through that God put prayer inside of mankind. I'm not even going to land on one of those sides here, but I will quote Wesley and that he said that almost exactly what you're saying, Brian, is that he didn't believe and, and Wesley saw a lot, you know, he, he was a reformer revivalist, I mean, that guy went 40 day fasts, confessing, um, really saw some amazing things happen. But he, he said that nothing, ha- almost exactly what you said, I'm paraphrasing here, but nothing happens. Um, maybe not, I don't know how I'm, I'm yeah. probably paraphrasing this well, wrong, well, go but ahead. by th- the power of, power of prayer. I think I know the quote you're referring to. And, and um, he, he, in effect, did say that, that, when God wants something to happen, he sets people to praying. You know, nothing happens without prayer. And then I think of like Obadiah, prophet Obadiah in the Old Testament says, um, or, you know, does God do anything except he reveals it to his prophets? You know, and so is, is there this sense when God, you know, then I think about a verse in, you know, uh, in Isaiah that says, you know, the Lord was searching for an intercessor. He could not find one. So he just said, well, I'm just going to bear my own arm and I'm going to do it myself. I couldn't find anybody. But the point is that he was looking for a partner on the earth, right? And that seems to be his normal modus operandi. Maybe once in a while he will just arbitrarily or, you know, do it because he can't find, in the case of Isaiah's statement, somebody. But but um, generally, I think he's looking for people to reveal something to, for them to pray through on it, for them to rise and speak to the mountain or speak to the storm or do some, I don't know, some prayer-born activity that flows out of that. Um, what do you think, Pastor Bruce? What are, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, my mind kind of went to the uh, thought, well, you know, and in a lot of times in teaching, I talk to people about this, and the best we understand, Satan does not read our mind. We don't know anywhere in the Bible where Satan reads our mind. Mm-hmm. Satan could put things into our mind, but he can't read our mind. He only knows what comes out of our mouth. And so I tell people, because you have something in your mind, that doesn't mean you have to say it. Say what you want to happen, what you want to be speak forward, not backwards, Ah. you know, on things. And because Satan only hears what comes out of our mouth. And, and, uh, of course, God knows our minds, our thoughts. That's clear in Psalm 139, but, but Satan doesn't. And so we, we should, when we're processing things in our mind, be careful to say what we want and what, where we want to go, where we want somebody else to go and to be in their life. Uh, that's so, so good. How did you say that? Say it forward? Is, is, is that what you said? Yeah, say it or speak it forward um, so that, you know, you're not, it's not where I am right now. Like, I mean, Simon Peter, he was Simon and he made a lot of mistakes, but Jesus spoke him forward and saying, you know, the the church will be founded on you, Peter. You you are the rock. And and so Jesus spoke him forward. 
in that situation. Uh, he's Nathaniel, who was kind of making fun of Jesus because he was from Nazareth, you yeah, know. Yeah. What did Jesus say about him? Uh, he said, um, oh, shoot, I forget what it was now. He he was speaking him forward as well and saying, here's a, um, a man with no guile, you know, yeah. like that. So, yeah. <laughs> even though he just said some things about Jesus that weren't that nice. Yeah. But. So it's so important to speak forward for ourselves and for other people as well to take in that direction by by their our words. I I really like that. So are you saying that like if we just continue to speak circumstantially like in the present about something that you know is all around us that we don't really want, we know it's not quite right, we don't feel mm-hmm. it's all that God wants in a situation, but we just keep rehearsing that and ruminating on that and speaking on that. And I like to say, mm-hmm. we pray to other people, you know, we, mm-hmm. we're we not praying to God so much as this, we're, we're just praying to other people. We're having conversations with them right. about everything that's wrong or what is, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it keeps us stuck there, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it can. You know, and I, I try to benefit from some that are more positive thinkers than me. And I, I've been reading Robert Schuler's little devotional booklet for about six years every morning. Okay. It's called, called Faith in Action. And he is definitely one who, you know, wants us to see and have the faith to speak things in the direction that we want them to go. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yes. Go, go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I was done. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Uh, Interject anytime. I agree that, yeah, we need to say it forward, pray it forward. Even, Mm -hmm. can I even take the liberty of using the word prophesy it forward? Mm -hmm. You know, not that we have to be like camels, hair and locusts and coming out of the wilderness is some kind of an old Testament looking prophet. But I mean, to, mm-hmm. to to speak something forward, to speak forth God's words, God's mm-hmm. ideas about something, and that it is creative. It's mm-hmm. like the most creative thing we can do is to pray and mm-hmm. speak it and then speak out of that prayer place. It creates right. the space for it to happen. And I think what the Lord was challenging me about, about staying in the rudder zone is like, for goodness sake, Brian, don't pull your rudder out of the water. You know, yeah. <laughs> my goodness. I mean, what would so? Yeah. So, Brian, like, keep your rudder in the water, and certainly keep it accurate. Don't allow it to speak misaligned with what I'm <laughs> trying to do here. I'm sort of speaking from God's perspective. If I could do that, you know, God looking at me, and I'm pulling my rudder out of the water, or I'm using it ineffectively, or I'm kind of kind of going in the wrong direction, you know. But but realign that those thoughts and those those words accurately mm-hmm. with heaven's counsel as best you know pastor bruce another thing the lord has been impressing on me recently is at our best we are looking as it were in a in a dark glass or it's in a riddle you mm-hmm. know you know paul says in first corinthians and uh we don't have you know we we see in part now we know in part mm-hmm. and we don't know fully as he knows us fully it says there that then we will know fully, you know, later, 
uh, when he comes again or when we go into the presence of the Lord, we will know fully then mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as he knows us fully. But right now, at our best, we're still sort of, it's a little murky at times, isn't it? We're going by faith. Okay. and Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> yeah, faith instinct. We're doing the best we can. But even with that, stay in alignment with that. Lean lean in on the Lord. I mean, Brent, what do you think about this verse in Proverbs 3, verses um, 5 and 6? It says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him, which means to know him by direct intimate contact, and he will smooth and direct your paths. What about that, Brent? Because it gets murky, right? And we just have to lean into him. We have to trust in him, right? I think about that verse many times, and one of the main reasons is uh, it's kind of like um, the verse that my dad has instilled in me many times. And I don't know if you know, I was just thinking when you were saying this, this is kind of a neat insight into our family. But when my grandmother died, um, that was really the verse that she taught all of her kids. And um, they had a gift for every one of the kids, all, uh, my dad and um, four siblings and it had that verse on there and it really does when, when you, when you zoom out, <laughs> you're like, okay, I got one life to live. Am I going to use it to curse myself and everybody around me? Or am I going to use it to, to bring blessing and on, upon everything that, that I know that God is. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how I, I look at a verse like that. When they were marching around Jericho, you know, prior to that, Pastor Bruce, they were, you know, mm-hmm. earlier they were murmuring and complaining in the wilderness, and what it mm-hmm. what it eventuated into was a, a about a forty year odyssey in the wilderness, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that whole generation <laughs> had to die out, and yeah. but then when they come into that first major city, crossing the Jordan into the Promised Land, it seems as if God is. I can't help but think that he's teaching them a lesson. I'm not going to let you talk this time, right? Six, six <laughs> days, you're, you're going to walk for six days around this, this city. Keep your mouth shut, yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect silence. And then when I, when I tell you to shout on the seventh day and blow the trumpets and all of that, then you can let it loose. Mm-hmm. And, and, and of course, supernaturally, um, the walls were crushed and flattened and fell. I mean, yeah. what? Are there times where we just need to take a vow of silence, <laughs> sort of get charged up into a peak state before the Lord with his thoughts? Just take a vow of silence about something. Don't talk about it until you know what to say. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> that well, that's like most of our parents teach us. If you don't have something good to say, don't say it. You know, my dad, I don't know how many times he has said that like that. And it really makes you think, you know, am I saying something good or not? You know? to to this other person and uh so yeah we we really have to we have to be careful that way (laughs) yeah gentlemen are we are we underestimating the importance of words and speech do we undervalue them probably i think so so. yeah yeah i think so if you have an insight on that dad but Mm. you know the more you know jesus you know, his emphasis on on saying things is so powerful. Let me just read this real real quick mm-hmm. out of uh, Matthew 8. Um, he's talking about the centurion. Cent- he's just talking to the centurion. 
here in this passage, Matthew 8, in verse uh, 6. And it says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only to say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. There's not too many places in the scripture where it actually says Jesus marveled, but this is one of them. Yeah. And he said, and he said to those who followed him, truly, I, I tell you, with, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Such a powerful statement. Yeah, yes. really. I mean, his disciples are right there, and it wasn't them that he was commending for their great faith at that time, was he? I mean, it, was this, it wasn't the religious hotshots down in Jerusalem. It was this Roman centurion, right? Right. right. I've not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And so uh, what did he understand, Brent? What did this Roman centurion, he's, he's a Gentile. He's obviously a person of prayer. He's a person of great compassion and empathy. He's concerned about his servant. I think the passage says he does. Is that the passage that says he also gave alms to the Jews or to the synagogues or something? The synagogue and yeah. Capernaum. yeah. So he was mm-hmm. a giver. He, he was supportive of God's work, but mm-hmm. um what does this tell you? What did this What did this centurion understand? Uh, he absolutely understood authority. I mean, he saw it, and he he painted the picture as in the eyes of a soldier. And honestly, that's really what what we should take from from that that mm. faith piece is that sometimes <laughs> we need to be like a soldier, and. Um, you know, obviously, we're seeing the grace, you know, his his desire, like you're saying, he's a giver, but he, he understood authority. Um, yeah. not, not only I mean, when we address authority, we're all under authority. We all have parents. We all have uh, a government over us. Yeah. We all have God over us. Ultimately, and God when is. we get out of alignment and we try to replace one of those... <laughs> Um, in, in his word, he tells us that, that we're out of alignment and that there will be repercussions for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he's saying, I too, he's telling Jesus, I too am a man under authority, right? Meaning, <laughs> meaning the Roman emperor. But I say to this one, go and he goes, I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. I say to this soldier, come and he comes. So he's like under authority, but in authority, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he recognized that Jesus was under the Father's authority and that anything Jesus said would happen. So mm. this is a very powerful picture of like commanding faith uh, of a situation, bringing a situation, like arresting a situation and stopping it. In this, mm-hmm. in this case, this illness, which was life-threatening to his servant. But isn't it powerful? I mean, my goodness, you're you're in alignment with authority, but yet you're in authority, and your words work. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. Right. Challenged so, by that. Yeah. Because <laughs> we face situations in, in in every domain of life. We face situations. It could be parenting. It could be something involving money or health and wellness or you know some 
intractable problem that we're dealing with and we need to rise up in a like commanded belief, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I find the, the thing of the fig tree in Mark 11 is amazing too. I mean, there's a couple things I think going on there maybe in, in terms of meaning, but, but Jesus talks to a fig tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says, yeah. it's, it says he said to it, meaning the fig tree. And then of course the next day, Peter, they come back and overnight the thing withers and dies from mm-hmm. the roots up and, and Peter remembers. And, and that's where Jesus goes into, you know, have faith in God. And then if you say to this mountain, be taken up and removed, and you believe in your heart that what you say will happen, it will happen. Mm-hmm. And then in the next verse, he talks about prayer. You know, when you're praying, asking, and believe that you have received it, and then you will have it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know that we realize the potential, the kingdom potential that we have in this in this area in terms of Christ following, no wonder the adversary would come against us so much, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So try to compromise our words and get us off into, um, instead of prophesying what God wants, sort of prophesying what, you know, the, the enemy's trying to bring about. Mm-hmm. My goodness. So, so, so what's the basic message as we land this, Pastor Bruce? It is, boy, stay on that rudder, right? Direct that boat. Direct that boat. Yeah, direct that boat. And I just want to make one more comment about the rudder, which is kind of interesting. The, the one that trained me um, was Keith Burhams. He, he was probably the best sailor, and he was the son of the the one that was overseeing our whole, um, uh, all the ones that were sailing in that that crew. Okay. But um, interesting about Keith Burhams is he— was that his attention to detail, he would make sure that the sail was tight, that it was pulled down. Uh, you, actually, you pull it up, and then you pull it back down to tighten it up. Um, he would um, make sure as little of the boat was in the water as possible. And one of the ways he did that is he put an extension on his uh, rudder, and I ended up doing that. So you can sit in the middle of the boat, if you sit in the back of the boat, you're not getting your maximum speed out of it. You need to be in the middle so that the boat cuts through better okay. like that. So putting an extension on the rudder so you can you can sail sitting up further and like that. Okay. Uh, that, you know, trying, it's funny the things we do to sail to try to get every little bit every of Every little edge, edge. and advantage, every yes. Edge. Yeah, well, you know, we need to do that in life too. You know, like you say, tongue and and like that. And I know I need to work at that. I I tend to be too quiet sometimes around people, or maybe um, not say what I should at the right time. And it's it's a constant lifelong thing. I I see working at what I do with my tongue <laughs> in the yeah, right way. Yeah. Me, 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 I can feel that too. And, you know, I, as you were saying that, I thought about Jesus statement that, you know, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't mean infinitely perfect, like, right. like, like omniperfect, like God, but it certainly means, man, mm-hmm. man, level up, you know, I game up yeah. and, and pay attention to detail. Like you're saying, 
Yeah, detail and move that direction. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, toward perfection. That's what Wesley would teach us. We move toward perfection all the time. So, I love your guys' <laughs> emphasis on the Wesley brothers and John Wesley. And I'm, I'm starting to listen to a podcast now that comes out of um, yeah. a Methodist seminary in Dayton. It's uh, oh. called the Spirited Podcast. It's actually a charismatic Methodist podcast. Really, the, whole, uh, the Holy Spirited. Yeah, uh, podcast. Good. Yeah, it's called uh, Plain Truth, I believe. Yeah. You're, you're right. That's the tagline. The Plain That's Truth, the tag- and then the tagline <laughs> is what? The Holy Spirited Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and they are full-on charismatic Methodist, and, uh, but they're not. Boy, they, they quote Wesley. I was, I was out walking today, and I was listening to one of their, their – uh, <laughs> they, they call it a short. It's like a five-minute episode, but he was um, – what was he talking about? He was talking about Wesley's uh, teachings and emphasis upon the importance of Scripture in, mm-hmm. the, in, in the public gathering, like in both in the uh, hymns and in the songs, as well as in the public reading of Scripture. Oh, and of yeah. course, uh, expositional preaching. But uh, I love it. We're 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 uh, uh, we're in a superficial age, you know. I know it's a generalization, but we're in a we're in a shallow time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and these guys were operating in. Um, some depths that we need. I, mm. I think that's why some people say, look, you got to read these people outside of your century. You know, don't be stuck in your mm. own time or, yeah. or else you'll miss a, a great, great heritage. Hey, I really appreciate this. Thank you, Pastor mm-hmm. Bruce, for carving yeah. out some time this evening. And you too, Brent. And yeah, you're um, <laughs> it's cool to have a father-son duo yeah. synergistically <laughs> sharing a few things. I Thanks. I love this. Thanks, and it's, Brian. It's, it's obviously... A, it's clear that because I've heard you in our group meetings, Brent, talk about the the importance, the vitality of words, you know, the priority. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Hey, yeah. Brian, do you mind if I close in prayer? Yeah, sure. And absolutely. And I wanted to just give a, another just a quick insight. I'm a student of revivalism. And uh, in just case there's any Calvinists jumping in, we, we quoted some. Armenians today. I'm really a student of uh, Spurgeon as well. Okay. And you know, Spurgeon's church, I'll just say this really quick, is a super powerful movement of God in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And his his emphasis, people asked him why he was so successful. And he said that my people pray for me. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah. And uh, he had, I don't know if you really know this, but he really did. He had a, a mighty prayer group and wasn't I don't think it was like necessarily led by him. I think it was the Holy Spirit spurring people to prayer. Mm. And so he was he's one of the only people that, you know, has preached to like ten thousand, twenty thousand people open air speaking mm. prior to mm. microphones. I mm. mean it's really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. I have yeah. heard that about Spurgeon. I've I've actually heard did you hear this? Did he actually in his church there were people like praying underneath him in the basement when he was preaching yeah, hundreds of. <laughs> have, you, have you heard that? Yeah, I mean sure. that is like a like an engine, you know. It's um like like prayer born proclamation of the word. It's mm-hmm. oh wow, and and people. I mean, he's for for over a hundred years, he's deeply impacted the church. Mm. Amazing, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and pray, Brent. I appreciate that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, Jesus. We thank you so much for your. Uh, your power, your grace, we're, we're nothing without you. 
God. We just ask for um, the Jesus Smart listeners that, Lord, you'll just really impart your mind, the mind of Christ to them. I ask for the power of words to be made manifest uh, in in our listening audience and in their families, God. I ask for uh, just a, a, a revival upon the power of the, the spoken word, Lord. God, I thank you for your your gifts already. I thank you that that before time began, that you spoke it all into being, um, and that you really um, demonstrated for us the creative power that that you wanted to instill in us. So, Heavenly Father, we just ask this all in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Lord, for all your great provision in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you. We affirm that and agree with that. Well, thank you, Pastor Bruce and Brent. Hey, you're welcome. I really appreciate the dialogue. I hope that people find it stimulating and challenging. I think they will. And um, I appreciate it. I know I I have been. Okay. Great. Thank you. God bless you. you. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bless you. Bye-bye. Absolutely. I really appreciate this conversation with Pastor Bruce McLaughlin and his son, Brent, a colleague up here, Brent. And um, the importance of faith language. I, there's some nuggets there. There's some themes, some layers of conversation there that I think you can really think about. Maybe do some further study on. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Pray into some of these subtopics. And we need to be intentional about our faith. We need to be mildly aggressive, if I could say that, about our faith. We need to be directional and pursue and quest to develop as an apprentice of Jesus Christ. You know, knowing Christ first, knowing the King intimately, but then out of that, developing a working knowledge of His domain, His world, His kingdom, and how it works. There are insights and principles and laws how His kingdom works, and faith language is one of the core elements of what it means to walk with Jesus. Appreciate you. This is episode 76. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, just go to jesussmart.com.